0: Welcome to Why Sew? The podcast where some of your favorite sewing personalities and rising stars share what motivates them to create using needle and thread. I'm your host, Jason Prater, and with me today is Mark Montano. Man, Mark is a designer, TV host, best-selling author, and we are super excited to have him on the podcast today. Mark, thanks for for coming. we're, We're very interested to find out why you sew. Welcome.
1: Well, I am super glad to be here, and I love sewing, so this is the perfect place for me.
0: Awesome. Well, man, I'm sure a lot of our audience has probably seen you on television or read one of your books or know something about you, but for those that don't, maybe you could share a little bit about who you are and and what you
1: do. Well, let's hope they've heard about me. So uh, I've written about 13 DIY books. And uh, I think my most popular books are the big-ass craft books. So the big-ass book of Home Decor, the big-ass book of Crafts, the big-ass book of Fling, and the big-ass book of Crafts, volume two. I've done a bunch of different television shows, starting with While You Were Out on TLC, way back in the early 2000s. I had a show on PBS called Make Your Mark, My Celebrity Home, She's Moving In, 10 Years Younger, also on TLC. And I just finished filming a show with Chrissy Metz and Leanne Rimes, which airs on the Discovery Plus channel called Meet Your Makers Showdown, which is a craft competition show. Oh, so, fantastic. How would so- I do? I work in the DIY industry and, and share my uh, knowledge of, of creativity.
0: And you got a lot going on and have had a lot going on for a long time. <laughs> How'd you get into this stuff? Like, what's, uh, you know, what's like your first memory of, so, sew- I mean, specifically sewing? Uh, we want to know about that, of course, uh, uh, as it relates to our industry, but, you know, it looks like you're more of a, an do you call yourself a crafter, omni crafter, sewist, seamstress, or just like all of those things? How, how do you identify
1: yourself? Well, if I've had two glasses of wine, definitely a seamstress, but, <laughs> Generally, I mean, sewing is where it all started for me. I mean, that was one of the first things that I learned, hand sewing with my grandmother and then machine sewing when I was about 12 or 13. And and you're not really showing um, video of this, but if you can see back on my right hand side, that is my first sewing machine right there. Oh, wow. That little tiny 1950s singer. (laughs) That's fantastic. And I have always had that with me since I was yeah, 13 years old, 12 years old. Uh, And all I ever wanted to do since I was uh, probably 13 years old was to move to New York City and become a fashion designer. A famous fashion designer is how I put it to my parents. And so that's what I did. I moved to New York City as soon as I possibly could. I went to FIT and started working for Oscar de la Renta and then started my own collection. It was a ready-to-wear line and also a couture collection. And I showed during the 7th on 6th New York Fashion Week runway shows for about 12 years. Oh, wow. That's... Every six months.
0: Talk about achieving the dream. I mean, when you were a kid, were you like, when you first started this hand sewing, I mean, was your, because your grandmother did this and you just were instantly attracted to it and interested in doing it? I mean, how did that sort of come about? How how did you approach grandmother to say, Hey, you know, I'd really like to learn how to do that. Or did you just start doing it?
1: I just was, she was always at the sewing machine. My grandmother, she, she made everything and she was like a terrific stitcher. And she, she made all of her patterns on just regular newspaper, which I loved. I loved these patterns. They were so intricate, but they were all just, you know, sheets of newspaper, which people did. So My mom has 11 brothers and sisters, so you can imagine that sewing machine was going full blast, hemming jeans, fixing buttons, you know, sewing prom dresses, things like that. And when I would visit my grandmother, I kind of always wanted to hang out with her and help. I wasn't a a real outdoorsy kid. Yeah. I was more of an indoorsy hang out with grandma, kind of let me sew the buttons on this, show me how to do this embroidery thing. I want to learn how to make these roses out of flower, out of ribbon, that kind of thing. That, that, that really turned me on. It made me happy.
0: That's the, that, that's so cool. I, I can remember crocheting with my grandmother when I was a kid you know and always just being so enthralled with what she was doing I mean she created all kinds of stuff all the time and so I can understand being attracted to that what, what was the first thing that you remember doing with her like when she finally sat down with you or you finally sat down and
1: actually sewed your own thing what was that well the first thing I I ended up sewing was actually not with my grandmother it was for my mom who always had a subscription to Vogue magazine. And I loved it. I mean, that's probably where I got the idea to move to New York and, and, uh, and become a fashion designer. And she saw this top, a uh, very simple blouse, in the magazine. And she said, do you think you could make that for me? And I said, yeah, actually, I think I can make that. Like just having gathered the knowledge from my grandmother and how she made patterns and how the machine worked and stuff like that. So um, we hauled out my mom's sewing machine And we went to the fabric store and bought this, I don't know, it was like a pale pink striped cotton fabric and made this blouse. And it turned out pretty well, actually. She was super psyched about it. And I was so proud because, you know, she wore it to work. and, And then, you know, every once in a while, she'd be like, what about this? Do you think we could make that? And, you know, we started making her clothes. And then I started making my clothes. And then I made my own tuxedo for the prom. Yeah, I just, I loved to sew. And how, how old were you at this point? <clears throat> I, well, I probably, the first thing I sewed, I was probably 13 when I, when I made that blouse for my mom. She,
0: she must have known something, man, to have, ask her 13-year-old son to make her a blouse. She had confidence
1: in you. Oh, she, she really did. And actually, my dad did too. I think, you know, I have four younger brothers who they, they love to be outside, BB guns. I was a mama's boy. And, you know, even my dad was like, you know, I can get you a BB gun for your birthday or a 12 gauge or something like, or a fishing rod. I was like, absolutely not. I want my own sewing machine. My own. (laughs) Oh, man. Now, where, where, where did you grow up? I grew up in La Junta, Colorado, which is a very, very small town in the southeast corner of Colorado. And also the reason that my grandmother probably sewed a lot and and people in that town knew how to do these kinds of things. They were, you know, there weren't big department stores. There weren't places that you could go get a prom dress or, you know, things like that. It was a small town, dusty.
0: Now, obviously, um, as, a young, as a young boy or teenage boy, I guess at this point, sewing, did you have any friends that enjoyed sewing, whether male, female, whatever?
1: Did you hang out with a crowd that was into this? You're going you're gonna to laugh, but I am actually still friends with the uh, girls that I was in home ec class with. I was a, a really crappy cook. Like I couldn't make a pie to save my life, but I could sew. And my friend Melva always helped me with the cooking, and I always helped her with the sewing. and she's we're still friends, and she's an amazing quilter. That's awesome. So, so yeah, I'm actually I'm friends with people who, you know, sewed. and and my high school teachers asked me all the time to fix their skirt or hem something or something like that. I was like, it was a great business. I realized, you know, I could make money doing this. Wow. So, you know, I
0: always wonder the technical aspect. I mean, obviously you went on to Fashion Institute and and all of these things, but did you, I mean, you had skills already. I mean, were these skills taught to you specifically by anyone? I mean, or just were you 100% self-taught through all of this in terms of real sewing skill? Uh, How did you pick up that stuff? I mean, it just come natural. I mean,
1: well, I, I was self-taught. I also, um, I think I had a pretty decent eye for kind of looking at vintage clothing and seeing how it was made. Um, my mom was a pretty stylish woman. And, you know, I looked at how things were flatlined and lined. And, you know, I learned about interfacing. And then I had this book, I think it was by Better Homes and Gardens. It was a, uh, it was the complete sewing book. And it, it had an illustrated step-by-step of how to do everything, like, you know, put in a flat front zipper, put in an invisible zipper, use an invisible zipper foot, you know, how to cut things on the bias. And I just, I, I think I even still have this book because I'm kind of a pack rat. I hold things with me like everywhere <laughs> I go. And it's such a great reference book. And I learned so much for, from it. And even to this day, if I'm like, ah, I kind of forgot how to do that, you know, I I can usually <sighs> find it in this book.
0: That's cool. So, what are your favorite things to sew? I mean, obviously, clothing sounds like it's
1: got to be at the top of the list. But is is that for sure your favorite thing to sew? Gosh, that's tough because I think sitting at the sewing machine for anyone who likes to sew is it can be meditative. It, it gives you a nice sense of accomplishment, and and when you're done with the project, whatever it is—a picnic blanket, a new a new button-down shirt, some drapes, pillows for your bed—you know, whatever. I think the original question is, do I have a favorite thing to sew? So no, I do not. (laughs) Fair (laughs) enough. It's about being in in front of the machine and, 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 you know, working with the machine and hearing that rhythm and, you know, manipulating things and all that. It's, it's just, it's a blast.
0: Yeah. I, I love that answer. It's clear that you enjoy what you do. So, you know, so you went to college, you got out and, and went and did exactly what you said you wanted to do, moved to New York and and became a fashion designer. How did you go from, from that to writing books and you know, hosting television shows and you know, becoming this personality, this person, this known person in the
1: sewing and crafting industry? So when I first started my clothing line, I opened a store in the East Village in New York city and the East village was just about to blow up in popularity. And I got a lot of TV coverage because of that. People would come and interview designers. A lot of young designers started off in the East village in New York city in the mid eighties, mid to late eighties. And uh, you didn't start in the mid to late eighties. I did. Yeah. Yeah. The late I, I, there's no way you're that old. Yeah. Yeah. I went to FIT, I started at FIT in 1985. So yeah, late eighties, I guess, early nineties, lots of television coverage, Elsa Clinch on CNN and, you know, a bunch of different things. And then, you know, I made a lot, lots of friends in the, in the magazine industry. Uh, so my clothes are being used in Vogue and Harper's Bazaar and they were being picked, you know, used in editorial shoots all over, paper magazine, interview magazine, it was great, it was fantastic. My dream was coming true. But after having the boutique for about 17 years and the, you know, constant grind, for lack of a better word, of putting out a 36 to 50 piece collection every six months, showing it during, you know, fashion week, going into production and then doing it all over again, it it kind of lost the, uh, the glitter, it lost <laughs> the shine. And I realized that. I also felt very limited by just using fabric in my creativity. And I wanted to do other things. I wanted to cover lampshades and sew bedding and, you know, make sculpture and do beadwork and all the things that I loved doing as a kid, like all these different kinds of things. So, yeah, I got asked to audition for a show called While You Were Out on TLC. And I thought, eh, why not? This will be fun. I went to the audition. I got the part. And my life took a left turn. That's awesome. I, I do remember that
0: show somewhat. So on that show, what,
1: what role did you play in that show? I was a designer and uh, I did, We we it was a home decor makeover show, which we transformed a room in someone's house in two days. And because I knew how to sew and I knew, you know, some carpentry from my grandfather and all these things. And, you know, I thought, I can do this. And, and I did, and it was, it was really fun. It was a great way to kind of just go nuts in somebody else's house and try everything that I ever wanted to try in someone else's home. And some rooms were a hit and some rooms were not a hit, but what, what I was told early on in my television career is that TV is not about creating a beautiful, perfect beige room. TV is about entertainment and entertaining people. And it's okay if people come in the house and say, oh my God, what did you do? Because that's entertainment. And that's what television is about.
0: Indeed. Indeed. That's, that's too cool. So you go from, from that show to another show and you decide you really kind of like this. At what point are you starting to write books and how does that come into play?
1: Well, that was also kind of an accident. I'd had a lot of ideas. Well, one of, one of the editors that I, I'll, I'll back up a smidge. One of the editors at Cosmopolitan Magazine, my friend Atusa Rubenstein called me one day and she said, hey, I, uh, I'm starting a new magazine called Cosmo Girl. It's Cosmopolitan Magazine for teen girls. And I want you to do a room makeover article every month in the magazine. Would you be interested? So I did. And after the first year of publishing that article, I turned it into a book, my first book, which is called Super Sweet, The Ultimate Bedroom Makeover Guide for Teen Girls. And, uh, and from Hello. then, I just kept writing books. And because I had so many different ideas from while you were out and just everything that I'd done over the years, I thought, why don't I write another book, just a big craft book, how to make pillows, how to build basic furniture, how to make over thrift store frames, whatever it is. <clears throat> and so I created this big ass book of crafts. And that's how it started.
0: That's fantastic. so you you you, you have this big ass book of crafts. Uh, and I mean I'm assuming these books go really, really well out of the gate. Uh, your publisher gets those out there. and
1: terrific, yes, terrific sales. They sold uh, the big ass book of crafts sold everywhere, like urban outfitters. and you know everywhere you, every single gift shop, Barnes and Noble. I mean, wherever you could find this book, you could find this book. You can still find that these books, but, but it did
0: well. Love it. So obviously crafting, sewing, all of these things are, are your job essentially, but, you know, do you get time to do for yourself personally? And and if so, do you, I mean, for example, I mean, do you make gifts for other people, handmade gifts? And if so, you know, are there any of those in particular that stand out to you or particularly meaningful to you in
1: some way? yeah i mean yes i do so for myself i love taking an old thrift store shirt or a blazer and tailoring it to fit nicely i just reupholstered all of my outdoor furniture which was tedious oh and my
0: wife now, would love for you to come to our house right now
1: i will not do <laughs> it for anyone else <laughs> well it depends does she make a good margarita oh well i do <laughs> okay well that's fine you can get I'll also, also some questions. And, and I brew beer for a hobby too, Mark. So, you know, we have plenty I of have good craft beer. <laughs> I mean, but yes, I, I do like to sew things as gifts for people. And I think the, uh, one of the coolest things I ever made was for a friend's birthday. And it was a big birthday. And I took a photo. I, I don't know. I transferred on white cotton all of his childhood photos. Oh, wow. And then I turned those, each of those photos into a patch. And I made this pair of pajamas and I covered the pajamas in like basically his life story. It was a really fun, fun gift.
0: That was a super thoughtful gift, too. I mean, I I always loved those stories. And, you know, I, I imagine, I can only imagine his his reaction to that. And it's one of those things where, you know, that's why people sew, that's why people craft is for that right there, whatever his reaction was, it had to be satisfying to, you know? Oh yeah. I think, I think he really loved those pajamas.
1: I think he's probably still wearing them
0: (laughs) to work in in 2022. Why not? Right. That's true. (laughs) Along the way uh, on your sewing slash crafting journey, have there been any, any people in particular sewist or other makers that have helped you along or, um, you know, somehow inspired you to do what you do that are, you know, particularly meaningful to
1: you? Well, as a fashion designer in New York City, I mean, I, I got to meet people that I'd idolized forever. You know, really amazing, amazing designers like Alexander McQueen and John Galliano, and all of these amazing couturiers that I had just, you know, idolized forever. So these these people were always an influence for me and, and always, you know, I don't know, pushed me to be better, to do more. But, but now in the craft industry, I mean, there's a couple of people who work with, with fabric and fiber that I really, really love. There's an artist named Julie Collings, who I think is amazing, and this woman named Ro Brune who's from Australia, who just, she's a textile artist, and I just love their work. I mean, I just fan guy over them all the time. Well, you know, I try not to be creepy, but they're amazing. So yeah, there are lots of people in the industry that I really love. It's a,
0: it's, it's a great industry, for sure, full of a lot of people that that love to share and help and do for others. One of the things that, that I really love about it, it's one of those places that's not cutthroat, even between competitors, you know, so often where people are just very helpful and pulling other people along and sharing information. And uh, so, yeah, I love to hear you comment on a couple of those people. So is there something in in sewing that you haven't done that is like on your sewing bucket list some type of technique or, or something that you want to
1: try out you haven't had a chance to do yet? Yeah, I I actually want to learn how to do serious upholstery and I feel like I have all of the of the knowledge that I need. It's just not organized enough in my head. To actually tackle something like a sofa or, you know, I can do a slip cover, no problem. <laughs> but I wanna, I wanna be that guy who's like takes the entire thing apart, rips it down to the, to the to the batting and the foam and you know, and then just goes in with it, you know, the beautiful handmade piping and the, you know, I, I wanna do that. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You need, to, you need to find somebody that does that kind of stuff, right? Well, that's all. You probably don't because you can just look at it and figure out how to take it apart and redo it. But yeah,
1: upholstering is tough stuff, isn't it? It is, but it is such an art form. And I think it's an art form that we're losing, yeah. like many art forms. Yeah. So yeah, there is one guy who who reupholstered my sofa not long ago and- I, I, I think I'm about to offer him a free internship with me. I <laughs> <laughs> love it. So you get like, to have me as your I, oh, I know you don't know me, but I want to hang out with you all day and sew for free and learn how to do this stuff. I love
0: it. Yeah. It, what you said there is so true, though. I, I think it's part of our culture, though. Everything is throwaway now, right? My wife and I have had a couple of pieces of furniture that we've had for 20 plus years and have had recovered numerous times, actually. We have a, this rocking chair that's it's this just plush, really nice chair with rockers on it. And she just loves this thing. And, you know, a couple of different times decorating and it's really good quality furniture. But, you know. The fabric doesn't look good when you redecorate the rest of the room. So she's had it recovered instead of getting rid of it and buying something new. Same way with this big, huge storage ottoman. We've done the same thing. and A a lady that lives in our neighborhood does this stuff in her garage and just does a fantastic job. But it is something that most people, when we've told, hey, we've had that recovered, they're like, really? You recovered this chair in your house? Like, yeah, why not? It's a great chair. Why wouldn't we? Exactly. And it's recycling, which is better, you know, for the environment. Exactly. Exactly. The bones of those things don't go bad, right?
1: No, they really Uh, don't.
0: I love that. What a cool thing, yeah? Uh, You're the first person uh, in probably 15 of my uh, podcast interviews so far that has said they want to learn to upholster. It's always, well, I haven't tried quilting yet or I haven't tried, you know, machine embroidery or something, some something
1: Uh, upholstery. That's cool. I love it. Fantastic. So what are you working on right now? What are you sewing right now? Right now, I, well, like I said, I just finished all of my outdoor furniture, so I'm now waterproofing the fabrics that may not last through the summer and spraying on some UV protection. I'm in the middle of that. Uh, I just bought a new house, which is four times the size of my other house. So there is a lot going on here. I have bolts and bolts of fabric ready for drapes and duvet covers and... I love covering lampshades uh, and I will find the nuttiest fabric and just recover a lampshade, whether it's a wire base or a drum shade. I don't care. So I'm in the middle of all that. You can't ask me what I'm in the middle of because it's a lot (laughs) all the
0: time. A new house is like a blank slate, man. You got
1: lots to work on. Oh, Mike. It's so exciting. This is... I think they're gonna just bury me in this house. There's a there's a little closet in the storage room back here. I'm like, turn me into ashes, put me in a can, stick me in the storage room. I'll be I'll be fine.
0: Now, is this uh, is this in New York, or have you relocated
1: yourself? I have relocated myself but i'm not telling anyone where i live. <laughs> i don't blame you. i don't blame you. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little nutty after having been on television for a for a long time. you don't want some stranger bringing doorbell which has happened.
0: <laughs> i bet. i bet. so all of your career mostly has been in new york city, i suppose or did you did you have to move to la when you're
1: on tv or did you i did. i did move to la and i didn't plan on staying there. While I was filming, uh, while you were out, TLC called and said, hey, we want to give you your own show. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And they're like, oh, it's films in L.A. and you have to leave on Tuesday. And I was like, what? I didn't I did it didn't register. So I hung up the phone and then I got a call back a few minutes later. They're like, did you hear what we just said? (laughs) Giving you your own show. It films in L.A. You leave on Tuesday. And yeah, I went to L.A. I was only going to be there for a year filming this show. And then after that, I went back to while you were out. But while I was there, I realized that I hated New York winters and <laughs> New York August and early September. And I kept staying in L.A. And then I ended up just moving to L.A.
0: Yeah, uh, It has it can have that effect on people, can it? It's a beautiful place.
1: Yeah. Sunshine 365 is a pretty, you know, pretty decent. Absolutely. <laughs> So
0: in in your sewing, what are some tools or gadgets or even techniques that are just must-haves for you? Things that you just can't do without when you sit at that sewing machine. What else do you have to have
1: that makes your life better? Excellent thread is, is, I mean, if you don't have a good thread, forget it. Don't even, just don't even try it. And actually, Sulky just sent me something which is blowing my mind right now. It's called Glowy or Glow Thread. Yes, and This stuff is so cool. I can't, I'm like freaking out over it. So I put it on my work table. I was working on something. I was like, look at this glow in the dark thread. Eh, it can't be that glowy. You know what I mean? Like nothing that says glow really glows. So I was you know, closing up shop at the end of the night, I turned off all the lights and there is this thread on my table, just like beaming. I was like, I'm gonna be up until two in the morning now because this thread is just calling my name. So yes, a good thread, I I suggest for everyone, uh, a really good machine. I have about 10 sewing machines. Wow! I like vintage sewing machines that only do one thing. They go back and forth and maybe the feed dog drops I have a, 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 like a, a Novus 1750D brother sewing machine that mm. does machine embroidery, but it does everything else. And I have a feeling it also vacuums. It is the coolest machine ever. And uh, when I opened that box and started, you know, just experimenting that with that machine, I think that I was up until about four o'clock in the morning. Like it was so for me, that is like. You know, that's my happiness. That's my joy.
0: Some of the features on these new machines are just unbelievable. Cameras oh and all kinds of stuff. Like,
1: wow. And like, you can put in your own, you know, you can, you can download an SVG file and turn it into an embroider whatever it is that you want. It's just, it's really amazing. And also a little bit intimidating. Yeah. But, uh, but a good machine, sewing machine oil, I could go on for like tools that you need <laughs> To make, and, and a big, huge work table, like a big, clean work table, no tuna fish sandwich on it, just empty.
0: <laughs> Too funny.
1: Mark, whenever you're not
0: sewing and not crafting or, you know, running a TV show, what other things are you interested in? What might we find you posting about on your personal social media? You know, what what do you like to do?
1: Huh, I kind of am a bit of a MacGyver in the, in the crafting thing, and I'm really, really interested in upcycling and recycling. So I find myself a, uh, a lot figuring out different ways to utilize things that we might throw away. Plastic lids and tin cans and old magazines and, and how we can incorporate them into our creative lives. And the thing about sewing is I actually really love sewing paper. I don't know why I always have. Ever since I was a kid, we had this sort of junky sewing machine. My mom was like, I think we're going to get rid of this. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to use this for other stuff. Like whatever that is, I'm going to use it for. And I used to just, you know, make sketchbooks and like sew paper together and make these crazy weird lamp things and sew it's, for me, it's really about upcycling and 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 finding ways to use things that we that we throw away and to be more earth conscious. So that's kind of what I like to do in my free time: head to museums, see how things were made, see if I can sneak into any sort of costume museums. I love thrift stores and and you know, seeing if I can find any really cool like vintage couture clothing stuff like that. Sounds
0: like sounds like everything you do, you look at through the creative lens.
1: I think that it is for most creative people. I don't, I don't think that I'm very different from, from the people who are going to listen to this podcast. You know, we're all pretty much the same. We might be a little bit of a hoarder. We love <laughs> craftings. We probably have more fabric than we'll ever be able to use ever in our whole life. We don't mind buying 25 spools of the same color thread because we know we're going to use it. <laughs>
0: was on sale and it's so pretty. I just had to have it. (laughs) Well, Mark, I've always said, I like to, you know, finish up on the podcast a lot of times with this uh, one question that, you know, as an industry, and I I think you kind of answered it really, uh, I think I know where you stand there, but we're not really selling sewing machines, fabric and threads and all of these things. But what we're really selling is this idea or this feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction that comes from the creative process. And in our case, it just happens to be sewing and crafting kinds of things. But would you agree with that? And if so, I mean, how how has
1: that feeling or that thought put you on the journey that you're on? I 1,000% agree with that. There is nothing better than sitting down and having an idea and then be able to use your use your own two hands to, to make that idea come to fruition. And it enables people to do a lot of things and to maybe have a lot of things that they might not otherwise have. And it allows us to have unique things that other people don't have because they were touched by the human hand and we made them ourselves and it's it's what makes us unique and gives us a sense of accomplishment, like you said, and, and uh, pride. And I think those things are really, really important to to all of us, to everyone.
0: Yeah, I always think, too, it's got to be that, you know, there's a lot of confidence that comes. I mean, that's one thing I see in, in people that create, whether they're famous or, you know, or, or not they seem to always have this quiet confidence about them. And I had to think that, that the ability to make something from scratch is a confidence builder, too, which permeates everything that you do
1: in life, right? Absolutely. And I think it's important for kids It's to, to build confidence through creativity uh, yes. and self-esteem and, and motor skills and, and everything that's super important to us being human beings. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, man, I I really
0: appreciate you coming on the podcast today and and sharing your story with us. Uh,
1: thank you for for that and for your time. What a blast! And I can't I can't wait to hear what other people have to say. I'm very excited about it. And thank you so much for having me on. Yeah.
0: So, Mark, if if people want
1: to find out more about
0: you and, and your various endeavors um, is the best place for them to go, MarkMontano.com. Montano, so M-A-R-K-M-O-N-T-A-N-O.com. Is that the place where they can kind of jump off and find all, all, all the other things that you do?
1: Yeah, that's that's my blog, or you can see me post several times a week on Instagram and you can find me there. It's the Markmontano, or you can find me on Facebook. It's Mark Montano N Y C or Markmontano L A.
0: Fantastic. Well, Mark, thanks again, and uh, hopefully sometime soon, you know, maybe we get to see you on the road somewhere or work together in, in some other capacity. We'd love to to have you on some of our programming uh, at some point, or you know, I don't know, maybe we can find a way to do something fun with you with glowy thread. Hey, eh?
1: <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, that glowy thread. I'm almost out of it.
0: Okay, we could take care of that. Ellen, Ellen will be all over that. <laughs>
1: all right thanks so much
0: thanks mark thank you for listening to why sew with sulky visit sewingonline.sulky.com for more info on today's episode and to browse our educational offerings including live webcast video cast and special events that you can watch in the comfort of your own home with your sewing machine by your side